This is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 143-inch. On this week's episode, we interview Craig Armstrong, the Emmy Award-winning television producer of Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution, Survivor, Mr. Show with Bob and David, and numerous projects with Weird Al Yankovic. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al it's a podcast about Weird Al. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Welcome to episode 143 Inch. We are very excited for you to hear from our guest, Craig Armstrong, this week. And we are extremely happy to hear all of the great feedback for each part of our interview with Doug Haverty. And we recorded that interview last year, and keen listeners may notice that we snuck in a reference or two to the interview in earlier podcasts last year. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite non-Weird Al related stories ever told on the podcast was the story that Doug told about designing the cover for James Brown's Universal James album. I agree with you, Dave. That was just so funny. It tickled me when I heard it last week and when we heard it originally. And it reminded me that when we recorded the interview, maybe a week or so later, I'm checking my mail and I get a package. I don't know who it's from. I'm not really expecting anything. And I open it up and it's the album Universal James on CD. <laughs> I was, oh, cool. I was so confused. I'm like, did I order this? <laughs> I'm sure you've done that, Dave, where you just don't remember ordering something and it shows up. And, you know, I was like searching through my email. Like, do I have a receipt for this? I don't remember this at all. <laughs> well, it turns out, Dave, you sent it to me as a surprise gift. Wait, I did? Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for that, Dave. You know, it definitely goes to my Weird Al adjacent collection or my podcast collection because it does feature Doug Haverty's name and we mentioned it on the podcast. But, oh, man, Dave, it's just so great. Thank you so much. Oh, I know what happened. I asked our no good, rotten, lousy intern Frank to order me that CD and he must have accidentally sent it to your address instead. So, you know, can you send that CD over to me? Oh, hey, know? it looks like it's time for This Week in the Greatest Bassist in the History of the World, Steve J. Related News! Today is Weird Al's longtime bass player and collaborator, Steve J.'s birthday. Steve famously auditioned for a Weird Al's band after answering an ad in the newspaper, and then he later introduced Weird Al to future Grammy Award winner and podcast theme song composer Jim Kimo West as well. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, we wish Steve the happiest of birthdays! Well, happy birthday, Steve, and now it is time for This Week in Weird Al-Related News! Last week, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert's cold open started with a fake news report and a trailer for Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Now, after showing a clip of Weird Al at his Hollywood star ceremony, it cut to an edited Harry Potter scene that shows Daniel Radcliffe writing the song I Love Rocky Road and features a heavily edited clip of Weird Al's song I Love Rocky Road. At the end of the video, they show an equally heavily edited Daniel Radcliffe with Weird Al's signature hair and mustache 
except it's modern Al's hair with retro Al's mustache. And not to mention the news reporter says Yankovich not once, but twice. Ugh, I hate that. Well, let me put this out there. Ethan and I are available as Weird Al consultants to any late night TV shows that want to accurately portray Weird Al. Absolutely. Now, the recently postponed Let's Make a Poop with Triumph the Insult comic dog show at San Francisco Sketchfest has been officially canceled and will not be rescheduled. Both Weird Al and Jeopardy alumnus Ken Jennings were scheduled to take part in this event with Triumph the Insult comic dog. Ticket holders can expect to be refunded within 14 days, according to the venue. Festpocalypse 2021, the digital San Francisco Sketchfest that aired last January, is again available to rent for a limited time. Among a cavalcade of fantastic comedians and celebrities, Weird Al appears as part of two segments, one with members of the legendary sketch group The State, and the other being interviewed by Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. Festpocalypse will be available to rent now through Monday, January 31st at sfsketchfest.com with proceeds donated to charity. Weird Al makes an appearance in the brand new promo video for season two of Dana Gold's Hangin' with Dr. Z. The talk show is hosted by comedian Dana Gould, dressed as Dr. Zayas from the original Planet of the Apes film. Or maybe it's the real Dr. Zayas. We aren't quite sure on that one. Season 2 will start February 14th on YouTube, so watch for Al, Pendulette, and more. And now it is time for This Week in Vegan Burrito Restaurant Related News. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Burrito Restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double-wrapped in a quesadilla burrito burrito and wizard burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your burrito burrito, or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering, loaded, dare I say beefy, vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger feed the hungry with out-of-this-world, plant-based, real food, always vegan style. Visit BurritoSquared.com and WizardBurger.com to order ahead. Well, Dave, I'm really excited to get started with our interview this week. Well, I think that's a great idea. Let's jump right into this week's interview. We are thrilled to welcome to the podcast an Emmy Award-winning producer with six additional Emmy nominations. He has worked on everything from Survivor to Super Nanny to Mr. Show, but we have him here to talk all about producing seven music videos for Weird Al. He produced Weird Al Live and The Weird Al Show. We're so excited to welcome Craig Armstrong. How's it going, Craig? Oh, it's it's fantastic. Uh, I love that intro. Yes. Seven. Seven videos. Thank you. It's incredible. Wow. I mean, uh, the the introduction to a lot of people, to Al, you know, as Dave and I talk to people or we talk to our friends and other fans, a lot of people's introduction to Al is seeing one of these music videos. And so being part of that is is really cool. Well, I mean, thank you. I, I, I get – it's weird. I get a lot of people – who will stop me or comment once they know I've done a Weird Al video, 
that's what they want to talk about. You know, it's the strangest, <laughs> coolest, it's the coolest thing, you know, because they want to hear about Amish or they want to hear about Spy Hard or Gump or, you know, they all have their own personal favorites. And, and so they, they'll start talking about that as opposed to, uh, you know, whatever TV show I'm working on. <laughs> yeah, people are like, I don't want to hear about your new stuff. I want to hear about working with Weird Al. I mean, that would totally be Dave and I, but <laughs> that is us. Well, I, That's what right. we're doing right now. It's right. I, I, yeah, I, I'm used. I'm used to it, and I love it. I mean, I, I've never stopped loving Al and being a fan of Al's, and just you know, a friend. And and I have such such fond memories of uh, those the time that we spent uh, shooting these videos. Yeah, I'd like if you could talk a little bit about you know how you first met Weird Al. What was your first project with Al? Well, it was um, so I had a mentor early on in my career by the guy uh, by the name of a guy named Troy Miller and Troy Miller um, was a producer director and he essentially taught me how to produce and direct and he uh, is a very successful that guy he's done tenacious D he's done uh, a bunch of movies I think it was like dumb and dumber and um, <laughs> Jack Frost and a couple of other movies <laughs> but uh, I, he he actually turned me on to Al he said look uh, I want you to meet this guy. He's got a video coming up and I, I think maybe he was originally asked to do it, but he just couldn't. I mean, I don't really remember the reasoning that he hooked us up, but he said, look, I want you to meet him. Uh, uh, and you know, maybe you guys will work together. And that, that was for a bedrock anthem, right? Okay. So, uh, yeah. So I met with Al and, you know, we essentially, I met with Alan Jay, Jay Levy uh, was his manager at the time. And um, yeah, we, I mean, we hit it off, you know, and it seemed like a good fit. And so we just jumped right into, you know, Bedrock Anthem and just started crushing it. And, and, and that's where it started. Now, are you aware of Al before this or is this your first exposure? Yeah, yeah, it really was. I mean, I knew about UHF, I knew about Eat It and, you know, all the really big uh, ones that he did with Michael Jackson parodies and stuff like that. So I was aware of Al, but it's just something you hadn't really tracked, you know, cause at the time I was, I don't know how old I was. I was probably in my early twenties. And so I was just trying to get a foothold in the business. And at the time uh, music videos were big. I mean, that was the thing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You did music videos in Hollywood um, and, and, and that's how you broke into the business a lot of times. And there were so many music videos being made and I was a big comedy guy cause I came from, uh, the improv. I used to work at the improv, not as a comedian, but just as a door guy and a waiter. Okay. Okay. But, uh, but I, but I knew a ton of comedians I, and they, you know, I knew a ton of these guys and we used to all hang out. So I loved, loved the idea of mixing comedy with music and so when I was introduced to Al, it just ignited that passion of wanting to do music uh, videos, which I really love doing, and but adding comedy to it. And Al obviously was perfect for that. <laughs> yeah. I just want to add on to what you said about Troy Miller, because that, that as soon as you said that name rang a bell, he worked on Mr. Show, which I know you also worked on, but uh, he was also involved with a producer and uh, director for Flight of the Concord. So he kind of has had his hand in a lot of different things. Weird Al, Tenacious D, Flight of the Concord. It's like three of the greatest comedy music acts of all time. 
Well, I look, I mean, Troy undoubtedly is, in my opinion, one of the one of the best when it comes to these types of uh, this type of comedy and and this type of storytelling. I mean, Fly of the Concords, uh, Tenacious D, Mr. Show, they were all, in my opinion, like ahead of their time. Right. And they were yeah. all just this really great, smart comedy. Uh, and Troy was just at the front of all that. And he. I was really lucky because he he let me kind of ride along. He let me uh, hang on his coattails for a lot of that, and just I learned so much during during that whole time. It's incredible. So you mentioned that Bedrock Anthem was the first video you did with with Al, and th- notably that video is in black and white. Was that a decision you made as producer, or do you remember when that decision was made? Well, I mean, if you remember or if you know. Uh, Al is very exact on his parodies, right? So um, Bedrock Anthem, if I'm not mistaken, the Chili Peppers was black and white. And so when Al introduced me to the concept, and that was what he would always do, right? Uh, the way I remember it is, is Al would get this idea or he'd be like, I'm going to do this parody. And then he'd call me up and he'd be like, you want to come hear it or you want to you know, come talk about it? And, you know, and then we would end up and he was so meticulous and so precise on how every shot um, would be laid out that it really was just executing and, and, and making sure the parody was as close to the original music video as we possibly could get uh, with things like location, uh, um, you know, a lot of times shots themselves, the framing, the lens lenses that we used, all that stuff was, really mirrored uh off of the videos the original videos themselves wow um and you know in fact I, I remember when we did bedrock the first thing he and i did was go out to the desert and we chose the exact the exact spot they shot uh the <laughs> desert sequence and wow. I, and you know because and we would we would have these stills of the video and we would look for the same rock formation. We would look in out in the desert. You, you can imagine how hard that was, but we would look for all of the things that we, he was really great about wanting to be as exact and true to the video as possible. Because I think one, just to honor the video, the original video and, yeah. and, and to, you know, and to treat the artist respectfully, but, but two, just, because it was just so much cooler, you know what I mean? To be like, hey, this is exactly where the Chili Peppers shot, and <laughs> right. we were doing, and we were doing our thing, but it was all goofing around in comedy, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, as as producer, is that annoying to you to be like, oh, well, we have to now find these rock formations, or is that exciting to you? No, I loved it. I loved it. I loved the detail, and I loved the level of, um, you know, creative exactness that we were trying to to do because there was obviously the written words that Al did, the lyrics, all that stuff was very original and really uh, just would just Al. Right. Yeah. But then trying to coat that in the parody in the, in the original video, I think that's what drew the audience into it. The audience would be like, I know this video. I know this. I've seen it so many times and (laughs) here it is being done in this way. And I think that's why they were so popular because we were very, very exact. I had a DP, um, Al and I, you know, I introduced Al to a guy named Clyde Smith and, um, and, uh, he was just brilliant at that. I mean, he went on and he shot, you know, all the parodies that were shot for Billy Crystal and the Academy Awards and, 
and uh, um, um, you know, during the VH1 had uh, Ben Stiller and the VH1 Awards, and mm. they used to do all these parodies. Mm-hmm. If you remember, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I did most of the VH1 uh, awards with Ben Stiller and Clyde, and then Clyde would go off and do the ones with Troy for the Academy Awards, and they were just exact copies of the movies, but <laughs> we would insert people like Billy and Ben, and it was just a lot of right, fun, and he right. was really great at it. <laughs> That's amazing. Now, since you brought up the VH1 awards, though, th- there was a VH1 awards that Weird Al was on, and he did a very similar concept where he inserted himself into some videos. Were you at all involved with that? I don't. I don't remember that. I don't. Th- I I do remember. You know, Al used to have Al TV, if I remember correctly, and he would do all these parody interviews where he would. Um, be the interviewer interviewing right. <laughs> a famous celebrity. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yes. And, it, and it would be sure. back and forth and it looked exactly like he was there, but he clearly wasn't. <laughs> um, uh, I love those. I don't think I did any of those with Al, but I, I, uh, I don't know if he, he could maybe tell you differently, but I don't recall that. <laughs> All right, so, so back to Bedrock Anthem. I always hear people say that, you know, Weird Al, he knows exactly what he wants when he's coming into doing something like a music video. So I'm just curious, as the producer, how much input do you have in the whole, you know, process of the video? Are you looking at, you know, a script from Al already? Are you looking at, you know, are you trading notes with him? What kind of input do you have as the producer for Bedrock Anthem into what's going on during that video. Well, in Bedrock and in all of our videos, typically Al had a very, very clear vision, right? And what he wanted to do and how he wanted to do it and the shots he wanted to use and which shots would be parody shots from the original video and which shots would be original. I mean, he was really all about that. And, and, you know, I, I was lucky enough that because he was on camera uh, doing this, you know, he was directing, but I also got to also be, I would guess a pseudo co-director. I would, uh, I would be able to watch the monitor, uh, and then we would collaborate. Is that a good take? Was that a good shot? Did we get it? If he didn't feel right about it, we would do it again. And he started to trust me, uh, more and more to, to kind of be able to do that. Hmm. So it was really Al, myself and Clyde, that were the three, you know, inner circle guys really trying to execute the video. And, and really my collaboration would come in the form of a lot of times in dollars, you know what I mean? Cause there wasn't a lot of, of money to spend. And so we would talk about shots and we would talk about things we wanted to do. And I would be like, well, Al, we may not be able to afford that. Or if we have to do that, then we got to get rid of this. And, and so we were constantly, you know, pushing and pulling, trying to figure out right. the budget and trying to figure out how to fit everything into the budget, which would typically we shot these things in like two days, which was a lot of setups to do in two days. Mm-hmm. And so it was really a, a, a lot of that and just sort of making sure and executing it and that he had the freedom to do what he needed to do. Yeah. Um, but I was there for support both creatively and logistically, you know? Right, right. Yeah, that, yeah, that's really cool, yeah. I would love if you could speak to the role of a producer on a music video. I think you kind of gave us a little bit of an idea. There's a little bit of directing. There's a little bit of financial. Does that cover it or, or does it go deeper than that? Well, I mean, I always consider a producer or an executive producer to be the equivalent of like a CEO of a company, right? Except I'm the CEO 
of uh, a production. And so, uh, especially as an executive producer now, but as a producer, it was really my job to make sure that, you know, if we had X amount of money that we, one, could afford it, then I would go out and find all the people to uh, work on it. And and Clyde, again, was a great example of, um, you know, working uh, as a DP on the show. And, and so I would hire everybody. Uh, and we, then we'd go location scout and we would uh, wardrobe. And, you know, we went through the whole thing. Uh, casting, if we had extras we would uh, or, or celebrities, we had to go after them. And usually Al would pull in his regulars, whether it be Dick Van Patten or right. any of the others. But, you know, <laughs> you know, emo or any of those people. But but uh, it was really just uh, I think we had Drew Carey on at one yep. point, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and so it was really just trying to corral all the kittens so to speak right yeah and keep everybody um focused and keep everybody in line and you know al and i would go scout everything we i mean we were we worked closely uh on all the videos that i did um and uh but it was his thing and it was his vision and i just loved being there to help and 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 to execute it and and see it at the end and be really proud of it i would think that out of all these videos al's extremely proud of the ones that we did you know Oh, yeah, for sure. I know I am. I, I know I am. I would say uh, all of Al's videos are, are memorable and, and masterpieces in their own right. But, I mean, stuff like Gump and Amish Paradise, like, it almost doesn't get better than that. Like, especially Amish Paradise with how <laughs> incredible that one scene is where Al is doing it in reverse. I, I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but can you talk to us a little bit about... No, I love it. ...that scene? Well, Am- Amish, Amish is... Um, my favorite Al video that that in um, uh, the saga begins just because in and and granted the saga begins didn't have as much popularity I think as Amish and some of these others but uh, it just I'm a Star Wars fan so I just loved every yeah. bit of it <laughs> but yeah. um, right but 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 Amish was just so cool because. It, it was a big undertaking. We had a lot of stuff that we had to do. We had, uh, we were raising barns. We were, we had horse and carriage. We had people in costumes. I'm in that video. I'm even in that video, uh, at one point where you, you, there's this, there's this guy, I'm much thinner now, but I was larger back then. And he goes to answer the phone and dust sprays into his face. That's me. <laughs> wow. Oh, no way. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's awesome. you know, and, and that was just because we couldn't afford anybody else, right? We're just like, <laughs> got to put somebody in there. But, you know, we, we in the reverse shot, I mean, I remember the reverse shot like it was yesterday. Al was so proud and wanting to, you know, he's like, I really want to do this. We've got to figure this out. And so, you know, between myself, Clyde and Al and everybody, we really plotted out the best way to do it. He had to learn the lyrics in reverse, you know, so he taught himself how to sing uh, backwards, you know, essentially say the lyric in reverse. <laughs> and, and, and all this crazy stuff that we uh, had to do. And I'm, I'm almost positive that we were doing that stupid shot at when the sun was going down and we were having to rush through it anyway. Uh, but it was so, and if you notice in the video, um, when he falls over, he actually hit his head. 
Really? You know what I mean, but it doesn't. Yeah, there's a there was a bit of an impact there um, that was interesting. But you know, he just rolled right through it. Didn't matter at all. My most uh, anxious moment of that video was. The barn raising scene. I knew, I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that because <laughs> you can't fake that. <laughs> well, and that was it. You know what I mean? It's like it was, we weren't faking it. We had to calculate where he needed to go based on where the thing would fall, the structure would fall, and what, you know, the hole had to be big enough, but not too big. So it looked, it, it, it was this, it was this massive calculation of, of, of geometry and all this other stuff. <laughs> and I remember at the time going, I, who's, are we doing this right? And, and Al was, Al was oh, like, geez. it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. I'm like, I'm going to kill weird Al right now. And, <laughs> and, and, and I think, I think we all felt good about it, but we were sort of like, well, let's see what happens. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we did that. I think if I remember correctly, we did that one time and one time only. Um, but it was it was a nail biter. I was so nervous that that thing was going to clock him in the head, and obviously it did, and it worked out beautifully. But it was really nerve wracking. Well, and and the the amazing thing is Al doesn't flinch. He's just like, it's so perfect. Well, no, because Al, you know, Al knows his stuff, right? I mean, he just knows it, and 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 I think once we all, and I think we actually did have a stunt person there. I think we had someone on set i'm sure we weren't irresponsible and didn't have someone who actually knew what they were doing it just felt like at the time that you know we were just kind of winging it and going for it and you know we're all kids and we're all just trying to make videos and this thing <laughs> this thing we count it we count it down and this thing comes crashing down and you're right he didn't flinch he just raised his hands up like that's good you know and that was really it was, wow. it was fantastic <laughs> It was fantastic. And then, well, what was it like? Florence Henderson. Florence Henderson, yes. And she was fantastic. Yeah. Florence was uh, amazing. And, uh, you know, we had this horse-drawn carriage. We, You know, we shot this thing in Hidden Hills in Los Angeles, which is out by, I don't know where you guys live, but it's out, um, out uh, north, or sorry, yeah, sort of northwest of Los Angeles, about an hour and a half away. And it's just this amazing property that... Um, just back then it just had, uh, miles and miles of open fields. Uh, and it was just incredible. It was a really great location. That's so cool. Now you mentioned, you know, that one of your responsibilities, you know, was going out and trying to find these locations. How much time in advance prior to shooting the video do you have to start looking for these locations? You know, I don't, uh, I don't remember exactly. I just remember, we never seem to have enough time or enough money. Right. And, and that was, that was the thing. It was just, it just, we were, we just had to go and figure it out and we had to go find it. You know, we had scouts everywhere. We obviously tried to do it as local as possible because of the, of the financial ramifications of that. And we just would go and look, I mean, it didn't, you know, it didn't take a ton of time because once you knew what you needed to do, once you knew what the video was, it was really about trying to just um, duplicate shots or create shots that would sell the uh, concept as best as possible. Yeah. And a lot of times people would show them, people would show them, go, hey, I've got this place over here. And, you know, I think uh, in Amish, we shot in Moore Park, California, like downtown, which is this cute little um, 
uh, classically old looking downtown area where Al gets kicked by some kid, you know, and we just <laughs> right. need to use that. We just need to use that street for that shot. And they give us the hardest time, you know, they're like, they just didn't want us to do it. Oh, wow. And we had to really bag and bag them to do it. Cause it was just one shot. Yeah. And we just, but we needed to look like it was a smaller town, not a big city. Um, so I remember that was a little bit of a challenge, but, um, hmm. for the most part it was, it was, it was, uh, all came together. I just always remember it just felt like it was never enough time or enough money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I guess we're not really going chronologically, so I'm going to try and fix that. And I want to talk about uh, the Headline News music video. Headline News was, memory serves me correctly, the one with the B-Girl, right? No, I think you're thinking of uh, the Bedrock Anthem started out with the B-Girl. Oh, the Headline right, News video right. was the parody of mm mm mm, mm oh, by the right, Crash like, Test mm-hmm. Dummies. Yeah, he's, he's humming himself, yeah. right? And, he, and, and that was in an auditorium. Um, I don't have tons of memory on that one just because it's the ones that impacted me the most, you know, Bedrock, Amish, uh, Spy Hard, Saga, mm-hmm. Pentiums. Those, those really resonated with me um headline yeah i don't know why i don't have a i mean it didn't seem like it was as big of a video as some of the others that we did okay Um, and so maybe that maybe that's why it didn't really resonate with me so i don't have a huge memory on headline maybe you guys do (laughs) well there were a couple of uh of uh appearances in there maybe these names all uh a refresher memory a little bit. I know Dr. Demento was there. Doug Llewellyn was another guest on, on the video or any of those bringing back memories. Well, no, I mean, I definitely know doctor. I mean, we, it was really great to meet him because of his history with Al and, and that sort of stuff. I do remember that and, th- and cool that was, cause that felt very historical to me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Dr. Demento <laughs> there along with Al and then, you know, having sure. known the fact that they were together early, uh, so that was pretty cool. There's, of course, like the ice skating stuff. Oh, and that was with uh, um, uh, the, um, what's her, t- uh, Tanya, right? The, uh, the We were doing a, do a thing where she smacks him, smacks yeah. her in the shins, right? Right, the Tanya Harding. Yeah, Tanya scandal. Harding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tanya Harding, that's right. Oh, my God. So that was on an ice skating rink. That's right. And another past guest of our podcast, uh, Judy Tenuta, was also in that video. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's amazing hearing her. her, her there were regulars. Some of them were just always in yeah. them, right? I mean, we were always trying to get the same people, which was cool. I like that. Yeah, that's that. fun. Yeah. Was uh, was Amish Paradise the only video you show up in as a cameo? Yeah, I'm trying to think about that. Is that the only one? Gump? Uh, it might have been. Yeah. It might have been. Because I wasn't a big fan of doing uh, stuff like that just because I just, you know, I was wanting to be more behind the camera. But I think that was the only one. I, I don't remember, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it could be the more. <laughs> but I think that I, that one I remember the most. That's, one, that's the one people point out to me. Let's put it that way. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess while you mentioned Gump, let's talk about the Gump music video. Gump. We shot that at a fountain, right? We shot that at a fountain in Los Angeles, in Los Feliz. Uh, and we had this feather gag that we had to try to simulate. And we did that both uh, in camera and then and we did an effect on it as well. But it, that was a tricky one, if I remember right, because we, we had to really get the feather 
just right, just like in Forrest Gump, they had that feather, and we had a feather also. Right. Uh, and it just was a fun video. I mean, playing in the fountain, <laughs> doing the whole thing in the fountain with the band. And, yeah. And they're all just horse horsing around in that fountain and then, <laughs> and then at the bench. And then I think, uh, Dick was in that one as well. Van Patten and, oh, uh, no, not, no, uh, not Dick, but, um, what was the other guy? Uh, I wish Al was here now. He'd tell, he'd remind me of all these. <laughs> Well, I know, uh, isn't Ruth Buzzy in this one? I can't remember yet yeah, Ruth, but I can't remember. Yes, Ruth, but I can't remember the uh, guy that was eating all the chocolates. He was a famous guy, too. What was his name? Oh, uh, Pat Boone. Pat Boone. Pat Boone, that's right. When when I heard Pat Boone was going to be, you know, that we were going to have Pat Boone, I was blown away, you know what I mean? Because you're just like, <laughs> Pat Boone? I mean, what is Pat Boone going to do? And, and, <laughs> And Pat was so down. He was so into um, just doing whatever Al was like. He was like, just do this. Just just chow down on the shot. I mean, he was really cool about just playing it up. And, and, and you thought, oh, my God, this guy's a lot cooler than I thought he was. You know, it was just a lot of fun to watch him. Yeah. yeah. Meeting some of these, like Ruth and some of these other people, it was just really fun. <laughs> and when it comes to something like uh, props in the, the videos, like uh, – you know, Al and the band have these like fake guitars and that kind of stuff. As a producer, were you involved in that, or is that just the prop guy and you just let them do their thing? Well, yeah, I mean, you Al would basically say, "I want a prop guitar that'll that'll bend, that'll that'll make a weird, funky look to it, that'll twist." And when I make that zoink sound, you know, I want to have that guitar yeah. also bend. And so we would we would just go and find, you know, I think we use the same crew most of the time once we started going on this thing and so the art department just find that and try to figure it out and right. show us prototypes and all sorts of stuff and uh um you know and it always worked out again it just <laughs> never felt like there was enough money and we were kind of beg borrowing and stealing but but it was but it was really the fun way to do it i mean i i'm i look back on these and i'm grateful because you have to remember al was fronting the money yeah. Right. Yeah. And and because the labels would would basically pay back, if I remember correctly, the labels would pay back based on sale of the uh, album and and how well they did, and you know, so okay. Al would would basically be the one putting the money out, and you know, I love Al, but Al is a cheap guy. He's cheap, and right, <laughs> rightly so. Right. Don't get me wrong, rightly so. <laughs> but he back then when I was like mo- way younger, I'm like, come on, man, let's spend some money. And he's like, mm, no, I don't <laughs> want to do that, you know. And he was very strict about it, uh, but because it was his, you know, it was his money. And and if the if the video and the album didn't do well, well, then you know he had to deal with it. Right. And so right. I respected th- I respected that, and I I appreciated it. So, you know, we worked with what we had, yeah, and we made it work. Mm. So it was good, except for except for. Uh, Spy Hard, which was actual, you know, Spy Hard was actually a call, you know, to say, hey, we want Al to do the main titles. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm, I know for a fact that wasn't funded uh, by Al, but but it was funded by the, uh, the studio. But that one was just an incredibly fun uh, video. It was huge. <laughs> it was massive. Right. <laughs> Now, is there a, there's a bigger budget, I assume, for something like Spy Hard coming from the uh, movie 
company rather than you know out of Al's pocket. Is that a true statement? Oh, I, I have to assume it was. I didn't. I don't remember exactly how much money it was at the time. I just know it. We it was enough, you know, because we did we did these underwater shots. We had to have Al. I think we went to. Um, a college campus pool, you know, one of those Olympic sized pools. And we threw down a, uh, uh, at the time it was a blue screen, um, but a green screen type, you know, backdrop. And then we put Al underwater and put divers in the water, put our cameras in the water. And then Al's job was to go underwater and just scream, you know, as loud as possible. Like he's hitting that, <laughs> that note. And then and until, and, until he almost couldn't breathe anymore. And then the divers were going to rush in and rescue him, bring him up to the top. But the problem is, is you don't really know when, um, Al's going to stop breathing because <laughs> he's holding his breath anyway. Right. And, and, and so yet again, and it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what Al would say about this, but I think I'm the only producer that probably killed him twice um, you know, with, with Amish Paradise and then Spy Hard because Spy Hard was like, it was tricky, man. I mean, he was, um, he was underwater uh, for longer than probably most people are. And, and I think there were probably a couple times where he probably almost blacked out oh, man. Uh, or passed out. And, wow. it, but the divers grabbed him and, you know, he bless his heart. He like just kept doing take after take after take <laughs> just to wow. get it right. Um, and then, you know, we had this, we had the greatest casting session uh, of my career because we had to cast not only really hot girls, right, which was so much fun mm -hmm. that we're going to be in bathing suits and swimming around, but we also had to cast really large women that right <laughs> that I don't think <laughs> I don't think today that comedy would fly, but back then, you know, we needed these really fat women floating in silhouette through the frame and everything's jiggling and then right. you know a fart bubble comes <laughs> comes fart out bubble. of it. Oh my gosh. You know, yeah. Yeah. And all that stuff was just fantastic. And then, you know, we spent a lot of our dough um, on, on, you know, bits like that. But then we, you know, we did a whole full size bust of Al and his head <laughs> so that we could blow it up. At right. the end, if you were, if you remember, right. And so we, you know, we went to a special effects company in LA and we, I think they cast his his face and did all this sort of stuff, and they really just made an owl uh, head, and then we blew it up, and we you know we had to test it a bunch of times, and it was just the fun the funnest thing to watch is just Al's face just blow up, yeah. you know, his whole head blow up. <laughs> um, but that was interestingly interestingly enough, and I'll it a little. Um, you know, I learned a valuable lesson on that, um, on that opening title sequence, because we were, um, back then they had the way they did titles, you would do your full cut, you would do it, you would lay it all out, you would get it all perfect. And then they would put the title effects in, but it was a separate layer and another a house did it. You didn't do it. Like now you can just put titles on in your own computer. Right. Yeah. But back then you had to go to a title house. They had to do all that sort of work and all that special work. And then, then it could go out and be printed and mass copied to all the theaters. Um, and so we're, we go to the premiere 
and um, we're watching the premiere. And by the way, the best part of the premiere and the best part of the movie, and you can ask anyone, was the opening title sequence to Spy Hard. <laughs> oh, Spy yeah, for Hard, sure. <laughs> right. The Spy Hard, I would yeah. give it a C. I would give it a C, right? Spy Hard was a C. But the opening titles were an A. Yeah, uh, yeah. A plus. And I could have easily just gotten up after the opening titles and left, but but it was a premiere, so we're all trying to be respectful and not leave. But but what happened was is that during that premiere, an actor's name didn't appear in the uh, opening titles. Oh, and so I know, and so we're walking away. And someone from, I think it was a uh, an agent or a Warner Brothers person came to me and said, where was so-and-so's name? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they said his name wasn't in the credits. I'm like, "That's that can't be. And so we went straight back to the titling company and they had just left it out. Wow. And Oh, no. And oh, my God, the studio was just so angry. They're like, but it was it was not our mistake. But it was because you you can only QC it for so much and then you give it over to the guys and then they lay it down and send it out. Right. And they had just forgotten to put that name. So they had to reprint uh, all these copies for the theater theaters and because of the, uh, the one company that I whoa yeah the so they had to trash wow. all those copies reprint uh, the copies for the theaters and then Warner Brothers I think it was Warner Brothers at the time Warner Brothers and the production company I was working for which is Troy's company had to absorb it and it oh, was like no. oh it was an insane amount of money it was it was horrible I I remember driving down uh, Sunset Boulevard and seeing that billboard of spy hard and just cursing it you know what i mean because right. it's like it right. was such a great <laughs> right. it was such a great shoot oh. such a great experience except for that missing title and i oh. felt horrible i felt really bad but it wasn't anything i could do it was just you know you have to take responsibility for what you have to take responsibility for and right. so and the right. network i mean now the studio knew that and so that's why they're like well we'll pay for some of it but you got to pay for some of it too so yeah oh but nothing like casting in a pool with all these women, all different shapes and sizes, having to go underwater, back and forth. Because we wanted to, first of all, see if they could even go underwater. And then, because it all had to be underwater. So we had to right. make sure that these, gir- these girls could go. In. And weirdly enough, some girls can't go underwater. Um, and so, <laughs> but it was such a... Such a riot just to watch it all. And it, it was fun. That was a fun one. <laughs> that sounds fun. Now, the the head, was there just the head that blew up at the end? Was there just one head? Was that a one shot only? You better hope it works thing? Or were there multiple heads that you could have blown up? If I remember right, we had a practice head, which was to see if the explosion would be dramatic enough. And we had to, we shot a screen test of it so that we made sure the slow, when we slowed it down, that, you know, the high speed cameras were, were in such a way that it looked really cool. Yeah. So we had a practice yeah. head. We had a, we had a practice head, so to speak. And then we had the <laughs> real head and the real head had to go off without a hitch because we did not have another head. Oh, and so, oh, <laughs> yeah. And so it was really, uh, you know, a nail biter also because, you know, a lot of money had been spent, a lot of time and effort. And, you know, it boiled down to this head blowing up. 
And, uh, you know, my memory serves that it, that it went off without a hitch. It was really fantastic and it was cool. So, and what you see is what you, yeah. you know, see in the, in the final cut. Do you have any idea what is inside the head that actually explodes and splatters? Like, was it, you know, chicken thighs or. I don't know that I don't, there were, yeah, there was, there were some particles in there and there was definitely like blood packs and, and, you know, pieces of stuff, but the head itself and, uh, broke apart and in really a cool way and flew off and the hair yeah and you know I think they had pieces of stuff to make it look kind of like brain matter yeah. but it wasn't it wasn't too it wasn't too graphic it was just sort of like a cool explosion that would get people to laugh and and it was it was an unexpected thing no one really would right. expect out but if you remember he kept looking at his watch as he was holding that high note and uh. And he kept looking at it and kept looking at it and kept looking at it. And he kept turning a different color. And all of a sudden he did. He started changing it, changing colors. And then, and then his head blew off. So right. it, was, it was really cool. That was one of my favorite shows and shoots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now going back to like the, uh, the dust in your face from Amish paradise or the b- brain matter from, <laughs> from spy hard. I think, Dave would agree that if that was us, if we were there, we would have definitely kept some of that dust in a Ziploc baggie. We would have kept a piece of brain or something just, <laughs> just as a memento. <laughs> were you, are you, is that the type of person that you are? Do you have like a, you know, little trinkets or anything like that? You know, I don't, I have, what I have mainly is the pieces that Al gave me. Uh, I think I sent a photo to you guys of the, the, um, the, the platinum, um, records and, and some right, of the right. awards that that we got um you know i have i have uh just really great memories i don't really it's so weird like when you're doing it you don't think about it's the same with mr show you don't really think about that this is like cool tv you just think about it as like this is a really great job and it's fun and yeah and i'm enjoying it but you're not really thinking of it in that way um um because you're just too busy. You're just, you're just doing stuff. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think at the time we were, we were in that mode of collection just because, uh, to us, it was a music video. We needed to do a video. We had a job to do and we need to do it right. And it needed to be good. And, and so everything else was just kind of secondary. Yeah. Now that makes sense. And I wish I did now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> But, but no, I just have, I have, I have fond memories. I have, um, you know, what I would consider a friendship with Al and, uh, and just little pieces on my wall that just remind me of, of that time period in my life, you know, six years. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very proud of, I'm very proud of that time period. It's funny. I was doing a, uh, I was, we were doing a premiere for one of my TV shows, um, I think it was King of the Nerds that I was doing uh, for Turner. And by the way, and, and I wanted Al to do King of the Nerds, and Al hates reality, so he was just like, "No, <laughs> no." I, uh. I think I asked. I think I think I asked Al probably three different times to do three different shows, uh, and he just. W- Flat out was like, I love you, but no, I'm not doing it. Um, but King of the Nerds, he would have been awesome on. But anyway, I was doing King of the Nerds, and we were in our office, and we were showing. We had this big premiere party, and and I, you know, and so we were showing the the episode, the first episode, and unbeknownst to me, but my staff, in between, you know, where the commercial breaks are, 
they had a Weird Al video as the commercial, right? So oh. we would see the first act, and then and then they would play <laughs> Bedrock Anthem. We would see the second act. They would play Amish Paradise. We'd see the third. So it was really it was really amazing to see, uh, you know, those videos again. And it, that was like in two thousand and I don't remember when I did uh, Nerds, but it was like two thousand and. 14 or 13 I can't remember when it was but uh but it was really amazing to watch those again and they still hold up and they're still just so much fun to watch and and they're oh, cool yeah. you know yeah oh definitely <laughs> so if we're going chronologically there's still a couple more music videos that we need to talk about the saga begins and it's all about the pantheons but before that you actually worked on the weird owl show a tv show tell us a little bit about that experience uh, Oh my God, that's right. The um, the uh, kids show, the Saturday morning kids show, right? Uh, that that we shot. <laughs> I don't remember which network it was for, but I know we shot it over at NBC Studios, and it was uh, my first experience with a guy named Peyton Reed, who is now uh, a pretty well known director. Yeah, he did Ant Man and and sure. Ant Man, uh, the second Ant Man. And, uh, I mean, he did the Star Wars, you know, Mandalorian, where Luke Skywalker comes through the um, the uh, <laughs> door at the end. I mean, he's he's done so well. And Peyton was one of our directors for that. And um, and then we what's what's a memorable story from that? Oh, I you know what it is? We had a uh, we had this hamster. This I can't remember his name. Harvey. I Harvey. Harry Harvey. Harvey. Yeah. Harvey. <laughs> yeah it was Harvey. Harvey the Wonder Hamster. Do you remember Harvey? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, here's 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 the uh, good news and bad news, right? So Harvey the Wonder Hamster was in the show. He was in in all right his own right a celebrity. And at the end of that season, they didn't have a home for Harvey. So I. Uh, in essence, rescued Harvey. Wow! Uh, and Aww. took him. I took him home with me uh, because I had a. Uh, my son at the time was was very young. I th- he couldn't have been more than four or five, um, and so I took Harvey the Wonder Hamster home. And you know, I said, "Look, here's a hamster. This is for you. We're going to take good care of him. You know, off you go." Well, during shortly after that, um, I was traveling a lot and doing other shows and doing stuff like that. And then I came, came back and Harvey was missing. Harvey <gasps> was gone. No one could find Harvey, the wonder. Hamster. Oh no. Oh no. And I was just, I was devastated. I was devastated. And it was only, uh, in moving that we found the poor bones of Harvey, oh, the wonder. No. Hamster. <laughs> <laughs> up in our attic someplace that was oh, just no. he'd just gotten out and gotten lost i guess and just oh. sort of died in the attic it was such a horrible oh. story <laughs> oh jeez oh but that was the, that was the <laughs> the life and times of harvey the wonder hamster <laughs> see i i think if it was dave and i we would still have those bones you know we'd have it professionally <laughs> mounted and you would, you would restructure him into a, like a like a dinosaur, right? Yes. <laughs> Again, I did not even think of that. I was just like so destroyed that I that I that I alone killed Harvey the Wonder Hamster. Hopefully, Peta doesn't come after me. Right. But anyway, yeah. he had he had a good life while he had it. Let's put it that way. Okay. 
That's good. <laughs> wow. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, but that show that that show that show was a that show was a um, it was a lot of fun for Al and I. We did have fun with it. It was a lot of stress because it was a series. It was really, if I think about it, one of my first entrances into um, full on series work. I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was, I just do remember it was a lot of pressure. I know Al was under a lot of pressure. I thought the show was fantastic. I thought he did a great job on the show. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think we were, we were in partnership with Dick Clark um, productions right. to do, to do that show, um, which was an interesting thing for us to do because, you know, the story of Dick, I can t- say this now because he's no longer with us, but you know, we, we would be shooting and, and our attitude on set was pretty relaxed. And the reason it was, is because I felt like we had our shit together. You know, we knew what we were supposed to do. Al knew what he was supposed to do. I knew what I was supposed to do. Everybody knew what they were supposed to do. So we're shooting one afternoon on this stage and someone comes running in they're like, Dick Clark is coming by. Dick Clark is coming by. Everyone needs to act busy. And Al and I are like, (laughs) <laughs> I'm not like, well, we're we're working. We are busy. And he's like, no, no, no. You got to make sure no one's standing around. They need to all be doing. I mean, it was really like this paranoid sort of thing. Whoa. Well, I don't know if you know if you know Al. Anytime you tell Al he's got to do something, he's going to do the opposite. <laughs> right? And, and, and um, so that just Al and I. So what ended up happening is, and our crew was sort of like, who, who, whatever. So we had gaffers sleeping. We had just people, <laughs> people messing around, <laughs> and and Dick shows up. Uh, I should say, Mister Clark shows up and um, sees this sort of unorganized <laughs> group of hoodlums just sort of doing nothing, right? <laughs> but I don't think he said anything because I think, you know, because Al was there and we were, and we were working, but you know, we had some, we weren't, we just didn't make people do busy work. Right. We were like, if you're not doing anything to just go back to sleep or whatever, you know, we'll wake you when it's time. But I just remember that being such a rub on us. We were like, who who is this guy? I know he's Dick Clark and it's, and it's a big deal, but we're working. It's not like we're screwing around. Right. 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 And and Al was that kind of guy, right? He was so down for little practical jokes or little things. I remember (laughs) we were doing, we were doing a uh, music video. He was directing, I was producing, it was for the, um, uh, it was either the black, I think it was the black crows and we were meeting, uh, those guys in Atlanta and they were staying at the four seasons in Atlanta and Al and I were to, you know, we, we arrived and we were going to go up and meet with them and talk about the concept and talk about the video and do all that sort of stuff. And we're waiting and down the hall in this really swanky, ritzy it could have even been the ritz carlton i can't remember but Mm -hmm. it was like high end right it was like five star plus and down the hall was this sort of weird piano fireplace smoking jacket kind of stuffy looking room that had all these people in it 
and they all had suits and dresses and the piano was playing this god awful song and it just was really stuffy over there right and i remember looking at al and i go hey i'll give you a hundred bucks if you take off your shirt and run down to that fireplace screaming your head off and run back <laughs> he went and he, and he went really i go yeah a hundred bucks he went <laughs> Done. And he jammed down there, screaming his head off, shirt off. And he came running back. And, and you know, sh- sure enough, I had to pay him a hundred bucks. But, right. And so we get up to the, we, we get up to the room and, and the manager opens the door and he goes, what the f*** are you guys doing? He's like, what are you doing? He goes, are you kidding me? He goes, I already got a call. They're trying to kick us out. He was so upset. And I just said, look, I said, a bet's a bet. You know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> I didn't think Al would do it, but he did it. You know, and so we got to pay up. <laughs> hopefully, he, hopefully he doesn't kill me for that. But that's, <laughs> that was one of the funniest, coolest moments where he's like, all right, here you go, man. I mean, I should have only I should have only said like twenty five right, bucks. Right, I, mean, I don't know why I said a hundred bucks because he would have done it anyway. A hundred dollars in you know the early two thousands, late nineties that that that's worth a lot now. It's a good investment on Al's part. Oh yeah, Al was always down for the hundred bucks, man. <laughs> oh, it's incredible. How did you guys get involved with doing a video for the Black Crows? We were, um, we knew some people at a at a at a uh, commercial production company. I think it was called Moxie Media at the time. I don't think they're around anymore. But they they had a um, you know a, a bullpen full of directors, and I think it was Peyton Reed's wife who worked there. Hmm. And then her name was Beth. Her name was Beth. And Beth was like, Al, you would make a great director. You should direct commercials and videos. And, you know, you should do other people's stuff too. And I think, you know, Al was into that. He was like, it's cool. Sounds cool. You know, and I certainly was. I thought it sounded like a lot of fun. Um, and, and to keep keep doing stuff uh, with him, I just was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. And so <laughs> cool. we did... We did, yeah, we did a couple, you know, um, and then it just kind of just fizzled out and, and, you know, Al does, he knows what his lane is. He knows what he does really well. And he's, by the way, a really great director in my opinion. Um, But I think he just prefers to do his own stuff as he should. (laughs) Right. So it was short lived, but it was fun. Yeah. I think we did, we did like a, we did a Jeff Foxworthy, um, you might be a redneck video. Al and I did. I think we did the Black Crows, and I think we, I want to say we did one other, but I don't. I know Al did a Hanson video. Was that one that you worked on? Uh, it it might have been. I don't remember that one, so I don't remember what time period it was. But it it's I just remember the the Crows, and I remember uh, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were mm-hmm. the two that that stood out to me. But I we we started doing that for a little bit. And then, I, again, I don't remember why it stopped, but it, it just it just stopped. Hmm. I had a couple questions about the Weird Al show, if we could get back to that. Uh, there's a couple of uh, things. And one of the Ask Al questions on his website, he mentions that 
you were in a, a little skit with him for being Corey Feldman. You were holding a camcorder and you were doing voiceover for that. Do you remember anything about being involved in that skit or any other skits on the Weird Al show? I <laughs> I don't I don't doubt that. I don't remember that. You know, I mean, it's funny. Any anytime I was asked to do something on camera, Mike, I would just go into a whole nother like mode of I would just get glazed over and like <laughs> I just did not I did back then I did not like camera on camera work but I but I wanted to I always wanted to be a team player I always wanted to do you know the right thing and 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 if they needed you know me to and I did that on uh, a whole bunch of other shows that I was on back in the day I would always be like some sort of extra or police guy or a military guy or something like that so it does not surprise me at all that I was um um, that I was, um, in some of that. I just, I don't remember. I've clearly blocked it out of my head. <laughs> like I, in my early days, I did a show called the super Mario brothers. Uh, it was an animated, um, Saturday morning show, but it yeah. also had yeah. interst- interstitials like with Lou, um, Albano, I think his name was. And, and right. somebody, I can't remember the other guy. Well, I played a gorilla and I played Frankenstein, you know, in that show. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I always got I always got those sort of parts. You know. But uh yeah, I'm sorry, but I do not remember that. Okay. <laughs> okay, and there was one more appearance that I could I could find. This is on your IMDB, so who knows how reliable this one is. But it said that you were a construction worker in one of the skits also on the Weird Al show. Any is that bringing back any memories? No. I mean, again, I I that you have to remember yeah. that that series, that show was a pressure cooker. I that's what I remember about that show. There was so much writing that needed to be needed to be done. There was so much creative work that needed to be done because we had to do so many episodes and and it was a it was a thing you know and it, it was for for children um so we had to be very aware of that mm-hmm. and, and and um sure so a lot of it was just head down just trying to get through the episodes just trying to make them good you know i remember doing stuff with peyton i remember really enjoying our time together uh um but yeah, I don't remember a ton of the content just because I don't know why. It's just weird how some stuff sticks and others don't. Maybe it was a bad experience, right. not a bad experience, but maybe it was just so difficult that, you know, it was one of those things you kind of say, okay, I've got to block myself out of that one. <laughs> right. Uh, right. I, uh, but, but I end up remembering the ones that were the more fun or the ones that really uh, resonated with me as opposed to that one. And it did, you know, and as, as cool as it was, it just didn't feel like a Weird Al video, you know, it just didn't feel as intimate and as personal as the videos that we would make. And those felt really special to me, uh, where the TV series was a little more just doing the work, you know? Yeah. I I mean, the impression I've gotten on the TV show is that maybe there's just too many cooks in the kitchen kind of a thing where, you know, the music videos were was Al and you know, there were kind of other people calling some of the shots, which definitely takes away. I would think some of that fun. (laughs) Well, the music videos were very, like I said, very personal, you know, I mean, they were, it was a very small group. It was me, Al and Clyde for the most part. Jay obviously was there as well, but it was really just trying to 
do a really great video. It, we didn't have to necessarily answer to anyone. It wasn't like the, um, you know, the network, which I think most of these would air on MTV, you know, they, it wasn't like they were going to tell us what to do because they would just take the videos and air them. Right. Um, so it was, it was really, Al was the first middle and final call on all this. And so it just made it easier, cleaner, and a lot more enjoyable um, to do the videos for me anyway. Mm -hmm. Cause you're right. There were a lot of cooks, I do remember a lot of Dick Clark people. I do remember just a lot of people, you know, and everyone's pushing and pulling. And, and you know, I bet you if Al were to say it, he would say it was also another stressful time, um, more so than the videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely get that impression. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it was a battle. Uh, you know, we think of we think of our these shows and stuff like that as tour of duties. And, uh, you know, that was just one of the, that was just one of those tours. <laughs> yep. Um, so just to get back to some of these music videos, I think chronologically up next would be the saga begins. The saga begins. Oh, we need to stop the interview right there, but we will be back next episode with even more from Craig Armstrong. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota uh, beautiful, it's also not in Australia. Australia and Minnesota are both home to the city of Darwin. And despite sharing a common name, there is very little the two cities actually have in common. For example, Darwin, Minnesota covers an area of 2.11 square miles, or 5.47 square kilometers. While Darwin, Australia covers an area of 43 square miles, or 111 square kilometers. Darwin, Minnesota is located in Meeker County in the state of Minnesota. While Darwin, Australia is the capital city of the Northern Territory. The Minnesota city of Darwin has a population of 350. While the Australian city of Darwin has a population of 136,245. And as far as we can tell, those are the only differences. Otherwise, it's pretty much the same city. Well, except for the biggest ball of twine built by one man. Oh, well, which city is known for that one? I'm not quite sure, but visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next Northern Hemisphere expedition. Discover Darwin more than just the twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, ah, okay, that's the one, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Each week we're able to bring you our podcast absolutely free thanks to our sponsors Burrito Burrito, Discover Darwin, and Jackson Scoggins. And thanks to our amazing close personal friend Patreon supporters, Javier, UH Jeff, Kenneth, Scott, Zeb, Adriana, Allison, Blair, Frank from the Bank, and Jared. And thanks to Jeremy and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our family-friendly weekly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch. And additional sponsorship opportunities have opened up, so if you wish to show your support for the podcast, hear your name or message on every full-length episode, and get all the other pretty stinking majestic perks that come with joining our Patreon family, please consider becoming a sponsor. Details can be found on patreon.com slash 2000inch, or by emailing our lousy, no-good, stinking, lazy, smelly intern Frank at frank at 2000inch.com. 
And speaking of our no good, smelly, lousy, rotten, stinking intern Frank, you can pick up our brand new line of We Hate Intern Frank merchandise over at shop.2000inch.com. Grab your copies of Black and White and Weird All Over and check out our special bonus episode book series where author John Bermuda Schwartz walks us through the book page by page and picture by picture. Make sure you catch up because new episodes are coming soon, but uh, always remember they come sooner to the Patreon family. We love hearing good news and we love hearing from all of our listeners and other Weird Al fans. So join our Facebook community and post about Weird Al by visiting group.2000inch.com. And we also love it when we receive voicemail via our official 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347 Spatula. Give it a call and you might even hear your message in a future episode. For everything about our podcast, including incredible past episodes and guests, be sure to visit weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com. And keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you for subscribing and leaving reviews on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you're subscribed because it not only helps the podcast, but also you get our breaking headline news alerts as soon as they drop. Thank you once again to this episode's guest, Craig Armstrong, and also thank you to Roseanne McElvain, and thank you to the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for our incredible podcast theme song, and thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. And a big thank you to all of you, our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible. Thank you for choosing Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. And until next time, remember to gill and chill. Tune in next week for the exciting conclusion to our interview with longtime Weird Al producer Craig Armstrong. Oh, I'll be sure to tune in. And Ethan, here's some interesting trivia about this week's episode number. Did you know 143 was used as a beeper slang for I love you? Oh, cool. What's a beeper? That was Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 143-inch. Stop forwarding that crap to us. I alone killed Harvey the Wonder Hamster.